AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 81 of AFF On Air. It's the 2nd of April, 2022. Finding award availability in business class is hard enough if you're just looking for one or two seats on an international flight. But what if you want to redeem your hard-earned frequent flyer points to take your whole family on an overseas holiday in business or first class? To find out, I'll be joined shortly by Peter Fryer, an award travel consultant at Frequent Flyer Solutions. He's got plenty of experience looking for award flights for uh, multiple people because he often travels with his family of four. And so he'll be able to share some of his tips and tricks for families to find award flights with multiple seats available at the pointy end. And later in the episode, I'll talk about two current Frequent Flyer program status matches that may be of interest. One's with a Sky Team airline and one's with a One World airline. But first, let's begin with a roundup of the latest Australian airline travel and loyalty program news from the past fortnight. And while Australian Frequent Flyer has been calling out the problems with the Qantas call centre and the airline's lack of customer service for months, the issue has now become so bad that Qantas is this week attracting criticism left, right and centre in the mainstream media as well over its call centre. Qantas wait times have blown out over the past few weeks, with many callers to the airline's contact centre now waiting over five hours on hold or having their calls disconnected. Even platinum frequent flyers who Qantas says on its website get priority in the call centre queue have been waiting several hours on hold on average this week to speak to somebody. Customers who are stuck at the airport who are given a priority phone number to call are also now waiting hours on hold. In fact, they're waiting so long that Qantas airport staff are now giving out chairs for those people to sit down on while they wait. It is completely unacceptable, and Qantas Chief Customer Officer Stephanie Tully acknowledged this this week when she spoke to Ben Fordham on the popular 2GB breakfast show. Tully said that Qantas is working to fix this as a priority, and that they are hiring and training more staff, but the call centre problems are not new. This should have been resolved many months ago, and I'd also question if they're hiring only staff um, at the outsourced call centres. The call centres in South Africa and Fiji are providing, on average, woeful, woeful service. So hiring more staff in those places aren't necessarily going to fix the problems. So watch this space to see if anything actually improves. Unfortunately, Qantas isn't the only airline having issues with its call centre though lately. Singapore Airlines customers are now unfortunately waiting regularly over an hour on hold as well. And because Singapore Airlines closed its Singapore-based contact centre during the pandemic, all calls are now being answered by operators with less experience and less training in either India or the Philippines. The situation with Singapore Airlines doesn't seem to be as bad as with Qantas, but it is still not great. And meanwhile, Virgin Australia and Rex continue to answer most calls within a few minutes. People arriving in Australia will no longer be required to get a pre-departure COVID-19 test, effective from the 18th of April. This is the date that the federal government's biosecurity emergency determination period will lapse, with Health Minister Greg Hunt confirming that following medical advice, the government will not renew this period. 
From the 17th of April, the ban on cruise ships in Australian waters will also be lifted. This decision was already announced in the middle of March. Some baseline health measures will remain in place indefinitely, though, including the requirement to wear face masks on international flights to and from Australia. Travellers will also continue to need proof of COVID-19 vaccination in order to fly to Australia, and in the case of Australian citizens and permanent residents, also to leave the country without an exemption. Singapore has scrapped its vaccinated travel lane scheme, with quarantine-free travel to Singapore now available to anyone who's vaccinated. There are still some basic entry requirements to travel to Singapore under the new vaccinated travel framework, called VTF, which replaced the VTL yesterday. But arriving passengers no longer need to get COVID-19 tests or self-isolate on arrival. Passengers arriving in Singapore also won't have to use designated VTL flights anymore, as these no longer exist. The previous requirement under the VTL scheme to have only been in certain countries during the seven days prior to travelling to Singapore is also gone. From yesterday, Singapore's neighbour Malaysia also reopened its border to tourists and removed quarantine requirements for inbound international travel. Thailand, the Philippines, Vietnam and Cambodia have already removed quarantine requirements for tourists, with Cambodia also recently dropping pre-flight testing requirements. Indonesia has also now removed quarantine requirements for tourists, including for travel to Bali. And South Korea yesterday reopened its border as well to tourism. So things in the region are opening up. It's, it's pretty good news overall. New Zealand will also reopen on the 13th of April to travellers from Australia. Around a dozen new international routes, meanwhile, to and from Australia have been launched or resumed this week, following the start of the IATA's northern summer scheduling period. This is um, pretty much an arbitrary date at the end of March each year, but this changeover period is often used by airlines as the date to launch new routes or cancel existing ones. From this week, Qantas has resumed a handful of international routes that it hadn't been uh, servicing since the start of the pandemic. These include Brisbane to Singapore, Brisbane to Los Angeles, Sydney to Manila, and Perth to Singapore. This week, Qantas also launched a new international route from Darwin to Dili in Timor-Leste, but it has ended its Sydney to Delhi route. The Melbourne to Delhi flight on Qantas will continue year-round. Qantas this week also reinstated its Sydney to Honolulu flights after suspending the route in late January due to a lack of demand. Sydney to Honolulu is now operated five times a week on Qantas and also a few times a week on Jetstar. Qantas has also reverted the timetable of its London to Sydney and Sydney to Los Angeles flights back to their original pre-COVID schedules and it's brought back first class on its Sydney to Los Angeles services. After a two-year absence, British Airways has restarted flights from Sydney to London via Singapore. These flights are now operated by four-class Boeing 787 instead of Boeing 777s. And in welcome news for Australians trying to get to South America and vice versa, Latam Airlines also returned to Sydney this week after a two-year break. The Chilean airline has resumed three weekly flights from Sydney to Santiago via Auckland using Boeing 787s, and these are now the only flights between Australia or New Zealand and South America. Vietnamese carrier Bamboo Airways launched twice-weekly flights this week from Sydney to Ho Chi Minh City, complementing the flight that it launched just a few weeks ago from Melbourne to Ho Chi Minh City and it will start flights from Melbourne to Hanoi in a few weeks. Thai Airways, meanwhile, just resumed three weekly flights between Melbourne and Bangkok. Jetstar Asia has resumed flights between Perth and Singapore. And Singapore Airlines has just restored direct flights from Darwin and Cairns to Singapore using Boeing 737s. These routes were previously operated by Silk Air, which has since merged with Singapore Airlines. 
Qantas also announced this week that it will launch non-stop flights from Melbourne to Dallas-Fort Worth in December 2022. They'll operate four times a week using Boeing 787s. Interestingly, although Qantas likes to call itself Australia's national carrier, Singapore Airlines actually has more international flights departing from Australia each day than Qantas at the moment. By our count, Qantas has 97 international flights departing Australia this week. Singapore Airlines, though, has 102 flights departing from Australia this week. And it's been a similar story for the past two years, with Singapore Airlines consistently um, bringing more passengers in and out of Australia over the pandemic period than Qantas. This will change in a few weeks, though, when Qantas resumes more flights to New Zealand. Speaking of Singapore Airlines, there's some good news for Velocity frequent flyer members this week who can now once again redeem their points to fly with Singapore Airlines in business class. In February, Velocity had resumed allowing members to redeem their points for Singapore Airlines flights and economy, but not in any other cabins. Velocity members appear to have access to the same reward seats that are available as business saver awards through the Singapore Airlines Chris Flyer program. However, Velocity members don't have access to Chris Flyer Advantage award inventory or flights that are on waitlist. Qatar Airways is no longer giving reduced access to business class reward seats on its Australian flights to Qantas frequent flyer members. However, Qatar Airways has reduced the number of business class award seats available to other partner airlines now on all of its long-haul flights, from four seats to two. Previously, all airlines got access to up to four Qatar Airways business class reward seats per flight, except uh, Qantas members, which only had access to one seat per flight on routes to or from Australia. It's now two seats for everybody. It comes as Qatar Airways also switched its points currency last week to Avios, the same as used by the British Airways Executive Club, Iberia and Aer Lingus frequent flyer programs. And British Airways Executive Club has drastically reduced the cost of reward seats for Qatar Airways flights. Qatar, by the way, will upgrade its daily Sydney to Doha flights to an A380 service from June. And First Class is also available on the A380, with some seats even available to book right now as classic flight rewards using Qantas points. Air New Zealand has started reopening its Australian airport lounges as New Zealand prepares to reopen its border shortly. The Sydney Lounge uh, reopened this week, while the Air New Zealand Lounge in Perth will reopen on the 5th of April, and Air New Zealand will reopen its Melbourne and Brisbane lounges on the 6th of April. Qantas normally sells economy exit row seats on its long-haul international flights for an additional fee of between $115 and $190 per seat, but these seats are currently unavailable on most Qantas international flights. Not great news if you're quite tall. Not only can you not pre-purchase an exit row seat on most Qantas international flights at the moment, but these seats are physically marked on board the aircraft as do not occupy. This affects all exit row seats on Qantas's Airbus A330-200, A330-300 and Boeing 787-9 aircraft. It also affects most of the extra legroom seats in economy and premium economy on the Qantas A380. The reason for this temporary change is social distancing and to protect the cabin crew. The reason is most of the exit row seats on Qantas's widebody aircraft are directly opposite rear-facing jump seats, which are used by flight attendants during takeoff and landing, and also sometimes are occupied by cabin crew mid-flight if there's turbulence and they need to sit down somewhere. Because cabin crew members may be seated here at any stage of the flight, Qantas has made the decision, therefore, to make the seats unserviceable and not available for passenger use, even though the physical seats are still there, but passengers may not move into them even during the flight. This policy is set to change on the 1st of June, which um, is the date that Qantas exit row seats are available once again to purchase on long-haul flights. And finally, Virgin Australia has 
resumed direct flights between Canberra and Sydney with uh, these flights operated by Link Airways. The launch of these services was delayed by around two months, but the flights are now operating. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you may be interested to know that I also host eight webinars per year for AFF's sister website, Frequent Flyer Solutions. Each interactive hour-long online webinar covers a timely topic of interest to frequent flyers and anyone in Australia looking to travel better for less. The next Frequent Flyer Solutions webinar will be at 8pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday the 13th of April 2022 and the topic will be travel money without the fees. If you'd like to attend any Frequent Flyer Solutions webinar, you will need to register in advance. For more information, visit frequentflyer.com.au. Redeeming frequent flyer points for an international flight in business class can be hard enough even if you just want one or two seats. But what if you want to take your whole family on holiday using your hard-earned frequent flyer points? Peter Fryer is one of the excellent award travel consultants at Frequent Flyer Solutions, which is AFF's sister website. And he's also had plenty of experience trying to book award travel for his own family of four, so he knows the ins and outs of trying to get four seats using points. Welcome, Peter, to the podcast. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much for coming on. You've been an award travel consultant at Frequent Flyer Solutions since uh, 2019. So you started out before the pandemic and then there was, of course, the long break um, during the pandemic when nobody could travel. Um, But the award flight assist business is back up and running. Have you noticed any major differences between before and after the pandemic when helping clients use their points? Yeah, I suppose before the pandemic, we didn't have to account for uh, border closures and and all the COVID testing requirements that come along uh, with international travel these days. In terms of award availability, it's actually been kind of uh, a bit bit topsy-turvy. There was sort of a, a normal state before COVID where, you know, you could pretty reliably rely on some routes, but then uh, when COVID came along, obviously, airlines, they rolled back their their flight schedules, so there weren't so many flights available. But now what I'm finding is there are actually quite a lot of flights available uh, as airlines load inventory back in. So what I'm expecting uh, is that we'll probably end up back at some kind of normal state when the travelling public decides to walk out the door and travel again. Yeah, but of course, at the moment, there's still a lot of people hesitant to book travel, which is kind of um, having a bit of an impact on airlines when they're deciding w- whether to add flights or and so on. And it's interesting, like, as you say, I remember before the pandemic, you could always rely on routes like Sydney to Osaka or Sydney to Sapporo and Qantas to have a couple of business class award seats available. And of course, those flights no longer exist. But now um, Qantas has got a new flight, for example, from Melbourne to Delhi, which often has business class availability. Yeah, exactly right. You know, I, I think the world's changed, uh, obviously, a lot, not not only with COVID, but flight schedules have changed, r- routings have changed, a lot of uh, flights uh, to and from Australia no longer exist, mm. you know, and they're, they're gradually coming back, but, you know, we're getting new routes as well. So I think we're just, you know, as we have for the past two years, we've just got to kind of continue to, to navigate what it looks like and make the best of it. 
Yeah, and it's certainly been a difficult exercise, but I guess that's why Award Flight Assist exists to help people try and navigate that um, that journey of trying to redeem their points. And like one of the, one of the routes that we've noticed that has had particularly good award availability lately, for example, is the China Airlines flights from uh, Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane to Taipei, which you can book using Qantas points. I mean, pretty much every flight has multiple seats available in business and premium economy. But then Taipei is closed, and you also cannot transit through Taipei on route to another country, so it's kind of useless. So. I guess it you know swings and roundabouts exactly exactly right and um hopefully those things are going to change in the near future it'll be a, a bold passenger who would uh, knowingly book themselves to somewhere that they couldn't transit through uh, i think but uh, i would hope in the next six months that, that we're going to see some of those uh, transit routes open up oh absolutely fingers crossed now pete you have two kids and so you've got pl- uh, plenty of experience trying to get four award seats to travel um you know for a family holiday with with your whole family on the same flights um obviously this is something that's quite difficult if you're looking for premium cabin award seats economy seats it's probably not so hard to find unless you're traveling like in the peak school holidays or christmas or something but yeah for business class it's a bit of a a struggle so i guess first of all do you have any sort of general advice for people who want to use their points to travel as a family yeah sure it it's a it's a good question and and as you say award availability even at the best of times can can be really hard um to come by for for less than poor people the same wisdom that, that applies to looking for a seat for one person uh, applies to looking for seats for four people. And, and that is, um, you know, search well in advance for, for award flights. If you can be searching up to 11 months in advance when the availability calendar opens up, um, that's probably the best thing you can do. And then you need to be, you need to be flexible um, in your routings and in your dates uh, of travel. And that, that's going to give you the best possible chance of, of actually nabbing four seats. So, for example... Recently, I wanted to book four seats on Hawaiian Airlines for my family and I to travel to Hawaii in school holidays later this year. And by searching well in advance and knowing when uh, Hawaiian Airlines was going to release award availability to partner airlines, uh, I was able to just jump on every single day and watch that availability calendar open up day by day. And as soon as it opened up, I was on the phone um, booking those those seats. So, so that's really only through searching searching early. So that's probably one of the biggest tips. I think it's really important for families to focus on a frequent flyer program that gives them the greatest possible chance of actually finding four award seats. And to me, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure to you as well, the, the gold standard in terms of award availability is Singapore Airlines Chris Fly. has a fantastic network, but the availability that they give to their own members and and even now to uh, Velocity members uh, in premium award cabins is is absolutely outstanding. So it's not too hard to accrue Chris Fly miles in Australia too. Um, so it, it's definitely doable. So, yeah, definitely focus on, on Chris Fly as a first stop. And then probably the other tip I would have for families uh, doing larger itineraries like multi-city itineraries or around-the-world itineraries is, and this relates a bit to being flexible, you might want to consider piecing together an itinerary that includes some sectors in economy, even if they're daytime flights. It, it can help you sort of bridge the gap uh, between the uh, business class flights that you're able to find four seats on. Absolutely. And if you're travelling as like a group of four, five or six people, it can also be worth splitting up, right, like into two groups. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a good idea. I mean, I know it's it's not first choice for people to, to split up, but 
uh, it, that that comes back to flexibility as well. If if um, for example in our family, um, you know, we've we've got two kids. My wife and I would probably be pretty happy to split up for one of the flights and just take one kid each with us, so that we could then meet on the other end and continue the journey. Yeah, and it's 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 usually easier to get two seats per flight than four seats per flight. So so sometimes that can be the difference between yeah. getting a getting a holiday or not. Um, you mentioned absolutely, using absolutely. the yeah. You mentioned using the Chrisflyer program as as and Chrisflyer basically being the gold standard with Singapore Airlines and award availability. Uh, I guess that's that's a really good point because a lot of people accumulate, for example, Qantas frequent flyer points for years in the hope of redeeming them one day for a family holiday, and then they find when they actually try to redeem them that either there's no availability or they can't get through on the call center to actually make the booking. And so they've spent years accumulating these points and then only to realize this, you know, when it's too late. So taking a backward step and actually thinking about when you start out on the journey, which program should I use is a really, really good tip. Um, and so I guess which which programs like other than, so Chris, Chris Fly, you said is probably the gold standard. Are there any others that are particularly good for Australians to be using? Everybody uses Qantas Frequent Flyer, and it is possible to find four seats with Qantas, but definitely not recommended, as you say. The other program that that I would definitely recommend uh, to families is, in fact, Velocity. Velocity is actually a really solid program, um, and now that their their partner airlines are, are releasing uh, seats to Velocity members, such as you know Singapore Airlines, I'd certainly recommend. Velocity in, in times gone by, I probably would have also recommended uh, Cathay Pacific Asia Miles. It's a bit of a convoluted program, but there's a lot of value that can be found in Asia Miles, and, and it is possible. It's a little more difficult, but it is possible to to accrue Asia Miles in Australia. But with the cloud that's hanging over Cathay Pacific, uh, and therefore the Asia Miles program, I probably wouldn't recommend it. So for me, it's probably a one-two between Chrisfly and Velocity. And of course, you don't you don't just have to earn you know just velocity points or Chris Fly miles. If you if you're earning points from a credit card in Australia, you can earn points with a program like American Express membership rewards or Westpac Altitude, St George, Amplify, NZ Rewards, and so on. And then you can transfer your points to your choice of Asia Miles, Cathay Pacific, um, Chris Singapore Chris Flyer, or Virgin Velocity as you need them as well. So that's probably a good strategy rather than just you know earning Qantas points with a Qantas points earning card. And I mean, <laughs> anyone who's read AFF recently or even just tried to call Qantas knows that Qantas is having some major customer service issues at the moment with their call center. Um, but also like award availability is just because you're competing with millions of other Australians for the same seats. Award availability just isn't the same as a program like Chris Flyer. And also th- they're pretty expensive when you actually try and book an award award ticket. Oh yeah. They're expensive in terms of not only the points that you need, but in terms of the carrier charges, uh, the fees and taxes can be absolutely astronomical on Qantas. So it, it certainly isn't my first choice. But as I said, it's got its place because it's very easy to accrue Qantas frequent flyer points in Australia. But if someone were to ask me which, which program to target, I, I certainly wouldn't recommend Qantas as the first stop. Have you seen the amount of carrier charges and taxes you need to pay on an Emirates like business class round trip booking from Australia to London right now? I have. And... The fact that they raised them once and, <laughs> and then raised them again uh, about one or two days later was uh, was pretty shocking. Yeah, I mean it's over three thousand dollars now per passenger for for a family of four. That's twelve thousand dollars in t- taxes and charges redeeming Qantas points for an Emirates flight to London and back. That's exactly right, Matt. The whole point of using frequent flyer points is that you uh, you get value out of them, um, and you're able to travel in a premium cabin by using frequent flyer points that you've paid little to nothing for, and if you then sort of turn that equation around and slap these massive carrier charges onto the flight while using the frequent flyer points, the value proposition is just destroyed. 
Absolutely. It make, makes no sense because airlines rely on their frequent flyer programs as being a profit center, especially at a time when the, they weren't able to operate that many flights during COVID. Uh, and then they're just killing the golden goose by making it less attractive for people to earn points. So it's re- really bizarre. Uh, I want to ask you, Pete, are there any specific routes? Um, so we've talked about frequent flyer programs, but of course, the water availability comes down to, you know, whether airlines are releasing the seats and, and you know, what routes you want to fly. Are there any routes that people should be looking at if they do want to redeem points for a family of four where you might actually have a decent chance of finding four business class seats? Yeah, things have definitely changed during COVID, but it's still possible to find four business class seats. So pre-COVID and during the pandemic and right up to now, what I've found to get out of Australia can be often very difficult uh, in in premium cabins. And one fairly reliable option that uh, I've occasionally recommended to clients uh, because it's an excellent product as well is uh, Japan Airlines uh, business class from the east coast of Australia. So you can fly uh, Sydney to Tokyo Haneda on JL52 daytime flight, just a, a fantastic product. And you can often get four seats on that. You can use Qantas points for that, right? You certainly can. Yeah, yeah. You can use Qantas points for that. So so that that is a good way to burn some of those Qantas points that you might have accrued. Um <laughs> Hawaiian Airlines, up until recently, has been pretty good. I mentioned earlier um, that uh, Hawaiian Airlines that I that I booked uh, for Hawaiian Airlines business class uh, seats for my family and I in in school holidays, and, and that has been pretty good. They've generally had about two or three days a month. Where up until recently, where they had four seats, that seems to have changed a little bit. Um, I can't see seats uh, from Sydney to Honolulu at the moment for four passengers or, or even, in fact, for one passenger um, on Hawaiian Airlines in business class. But flights between Honolulu and Auckland are still an option, and you can you can book those using your Velocity points over the phone with the Velocity uh, contact center. So it's still an option, and, and hopefully Sydney, uh, Sydney might come back at some point. Things are always changing. Another sort of strange pandemic phenomenon was when Air Canada started flying back or had inventory to fly back to Australia. They actually were giving, they were offering a lot of award availability to Velocity. So up until recently, I was seeing uh, the occasional day here and there with four seats on Air Canada. But unfortunately, that's... uh, (laughs) Hopefully, it's not a thing of the past, but it's it's not a thing of now. Even getting one seat on Air Canada uh, across the Pacific to Vancouver out of Brisbane or Sydney is it's around. It is available, but um, it, it, they're they're a little more sparse perhaps than they were uh, just a couple of months ago. Yeah, like I've seen that Air Canada has recently announced they're going to restart flights to Brisbane. I think from July, and there there is now a little bit of availability from Brisbane to Vancouver. But yeah, I haven't seen much lately out of Sydney, which is a shame. Using Velocity points. Yeah, that's right. It, it is a shame, but I'm really, really hoping it comes back. Um, you know, we have family over in Canada, so uh, that that's a really useful um, option for us to, to be able to get across the Pacific when, when there might not be other options. A, a pretty reliable, though no doubt less desirable option, uh, if you were keen to use some of those Qantas points as well, uh, you can fairly reliably get a Jetstar business class from, yeah, well, from just about anywhere, <laughs> anywhere you want, really, because um, does anyone actually want it? We've seen four seats recently, for example, from Melbourne to Singapore in Jetstar business class using Qantas points. Yeah, correct, correct. So so that, that option is out there. And as I said, it can be difficult to get out of Australia sometimes. So um, 
you you could use Jetstar as an option to to get yourself out of Australia before beginning an itinerary, and, and there's a obviously a points discount in using Jetstar versus using Qantas. Yeah. It's just the the product on Jetstar is is not great, as I said, Matt. I believe you have actually travelled in that. Yeah, I flew Jetstar business class from Denpasar to Sydney, and it was not an enjoyable flight. I mean, it's it's basically the seat that was overnight as well, like not not a great flight generally on JQ thirty eight, but it was it's basically like a premium economy seat. It's leather seat you've got like a two three two layout it's just a recliner seat um you do get a meal on board and they had champagne and things like that and an amenity kit but it's really it's it's more clo- it's closer to premium economy on other airlines yeah Probably not a yeah. bad option for a daytime flight if you can find availability maybe on jetstar and 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 you can't get anything else absolutely yeah it's still an option that's out there uh that that you could use I, i've had the opportunity to use it but it's been on on nighttime flights uh, to Honolulu, paid flights, and uh, I didn't uh, didn't take up the option. Other options on which I've seen for award seats in, in business class, British Airways Transatlantic does pretty reliably have four seats if you're searching far enough in advance. But there there are a couple of pitfalls to actually using British Airways. One is the hard product that, that you're going to get unless you're travelling on their, I believe it's their A350 that has the new suites with uh, closing doors on them. Unless you can get a flight on that airframe, you're, you're going to be travelling in their old Club World product, which, which is not that great. But you know, it's still a business class uh, flight that'll get you uh, across the Atlantic. And I've seen seen availability uh, into places such as Toronto from Heathrow. But the other pitfall with um, with British Airways is if you are originating in the UK, you're going to have to pay uh, very high uh, taxes um, no matter where you're going. So um, it's certainly not something that I would recommend as a first stop. Yeah, and the carrier charges or the fuel surcharges on BA are pretty high too. Yeah, they're, they're, they're absolutely astronomical astronomical and by the way the other thing about ba is they charge for seat selection even in business class like over a hundred dollars per seat on some flights <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely crazy yeah yeah it is crazy but again it's an option that's out there if you want to get four business class seats transatlantic and then just bringing it back to singapore airlines again as as being sort of the gold standard it really is the best program to to be able to find in fact quite a quite a lot of award seats are, are possible i think uh, i've seen recently up to about uh six uh, seats uh, in in the saver category in business uh, class. on Singapore Airlines in business class, yeah, correct. So, and that's flying out of Melbourne or flying out of Sydney to Singapore, uh, and then onward to somewhere like um, like London. So, it, it really is a great option, and you can use your your Singapore Airlines Crisfly miles for that, or you can use Velocity points for that as well. The the same availability as long as it's in the saver category. That availability is uh, is there for Velocity members as well, um, and confirmed on the Velocity website. Yeah, that's it's been a really interesting development just this week that Velocity has um, started offering Singapore Airlines business class reward seats again. They were blocked for quite a long time during the pandemic, but they are back. And the number of uh, points required and the taxes required is is also like significantly lower than what you'd pay if you're redeeming Qantas points to fly with Qantas or Emirates or Qatar Airways to London from Australia. Uh, and the availability, as you say, like some flights have up to six business class seats, so. It's just there's no comparison between that and, and using Qantas. Yeah, that's right. I, I think on that, uh, I believe it was on the perhaps the Melbourne via Singapore to London flight, the, the taxes were something in the vicinity of about $110 Australian uh, per passenger. So that, that's very, very low. Yeah, that, that was one way. But I mean, even the return, it would be significantly, significantly lower than with Qantas. Correct. Yeah. 
Um, of course, you know, that's, so that, that's a few um, flights that you could look at if you're looking for award availability for your family right now in business class. But um, these, of course, these do change from time to time. So make sure you keep listening to the podcast and read, read Australian Frequent Flyer. And of course, if you want help, you can also get in touch with the Award Flight Assist team and they can help you to redeem your points as well. Pete's one of the consultants. There's also Bronwyn, Lance, James and myself um, who can help you with redeeming your points. Well, finally, Peter, just to get to know you a little bit better, it's, I've got some quick questions for you. Um, and the first one is, what's your favourite airline? That is actually a tough question, uh, and it should be an easy question, but because we haven't really done that much travel uh, over the past couple of years, it, it's hard to know uh, what they look like. I think it, coming at it from the family perspective, my favourite airline would be, if I was paying for a revenue ticket, it'd have to be Japan Airlines uh, because it, it's a really good airline to fly uh, as a family. The seat layout is is really good. Uh, you, can, you can fly all together as a family of four uh, sitting in the middle. And they really cater nicely to kids. Prior to the pandemic, I, I, I would have hands down said Virgin Australia was my favourite simply because they had the business on their wide body aircraft. But unfortunately, that's no longer around. I think the answer to this is probably Cathay Pacific is my favourite for uh, for their premium cabin. I, I hope Cathay Pacific survives what's happening uh, at the moment. But I had the opportunity to fly from Toronto via Hong Kong to Sydney uh, on Cathay Pacific just before the pandemic started. And it was absolutely fantastic on their A350-1000. And I had the opportunity to use their lounges in Hong Kong, which are, which are just spectacular. So probably Cathay Pacific is the answer to that question. Oh, Peter, now I'm getting hungry thinking about the Cathay Pacific lounges and the excellent noodles they served in those lounges. <laughs> I, I hope one day I can get back there. <laughs> And I I think we've already covered this off uh, probably, but what's your favourite frequent flyer program? Would it be Chris Flyer? Yeah, in terms of availability, Chris Flyer is my favourite program, but I I think velocity is definitely up there. It might even possibly have an edge because, you know, it's a a decent value program. It's got a, a fixed price award chart. Velocity has family pooling as well, which makes it easy to get status. And for us with family in Canada uh, and our favourite uh, holiday destination is Hawaii. Yeah, the the partner airlines that the Velocity ha- has, including Air Canada and Hawaiian Airlines, they make a lot of sense for us. So it, it's probably got the edge. The only thing that could make Velocity better, in my opinion, is maybe one if they actually bit the bullet and join Star Alliance, and, and uh, two if they had lifetime status. Uh, I'd really love that. Okay, yeah, that's some good points. Just for anyone who might not be familiar, what's family pooling with Velocity? Yeah, sure. So with family pooling, uh, you can nominate a, a primary family member. So in, in my case, I do the most travel, so I am the primary family member. But then all other members of my uh, my family who are also Velocity members, whenever they travel, their status credits uh, and their points uh, pool to me into my account. So it's a really quick way if, if as a family you're loyal to Velocity, it's a really quick way to get status. Okay, cool. And Qantas obviously doesn't have anything like this, so it's a unique little feature of Velocity. That's correct, yeah. What's your favourite holiday destination? I think you just said Hawaii. Would that would that be your pick? Yeah, uh, I think as a leisure, leisure destination, Hawaii would be my pick. I'd, I'd just caveat that by saying that's if it's not Waikiki. Uh, definitely, <laughs> I would recommend to anyone going to Hawaii to to get away from Waikiki and actually go and explore Hawaii. We, we, we love going across to uh, Kauai and uh, up on the north shore of Kauai. It's, it's spectacular scenery. All oh, right. How do you get there? 
unfortunately, you do have to fly through Honolulu, but uh, there are a million connections uh, daily with Hawaiian Airlines uh, to Lihui. Uh, and then it's just about a 45-minute drive up, up to the North Shore from Lihui Airport. Awesome. If you're redeeming velocity points to fly Hawaiian Airlines into Honolulu, can you also get that connecting flight to Lihui on the same ticket? Yeah, you absolutely can. Yeah, uh, it, it would be uh, it would be covered under the award. Uh, you might just have to uh, cajole the Velocity call centre staff a little bit, but it is possible to do. Awesome. Uh, do you have a favourite credit card at the moment? Yep. Yeah, uh, my favourite credit cards, hands down, are uh, American, Ex- American Express cards, uh, and I currently have in my wallet an MX Explorer. Uh, I got a 200000 point sign-up bonus on that. Amex is just really easy to manage. They often have transfer bonuses. Um, as you mentioned before, it's a flexible points currency, so Amex is definitely the, the way to go, and the Amex Explorer is a, is a great card. What's the best airline or frequent flyer promotion that you've ever used? This is a tough question. I haven't actually had the opportunity to take advantage of many sort of promos uh, or, or anything like that, or, or mistake fares. I, I do see mistake fares getting out there, but I don't have the advantage of being able to just jump on them straight away, unfortunately. So I'll, I'll probably say that the, the best value redemption, perhaps, might, might be a better way for me to answer this question. Uh, my wife and I, pre-pandemic, were able to... It's funny, this is actually an economy class, but we were actually able to use our Singapore Airlines cruise flyer miles to fly all the way from the east coast of Australia to uh, Tahiti. Uh, and that's only 12,500 uh, Chris Flyer miles. Yeah, um, 12,500 Chris Flyer miles one way per person. So for 50,000 miles with, with Chris Flyer and, and only a few hundred bucks in taxes, we're able to get ourselves all the way to Tahiti. So that that's probably my best value redemption, I would say. Right. Was that flying Air New Zealand through Auckland? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Sorry, I should have mentioned that that was with Air New Zealand through Auckland. Yeah. Cool. And just finally, do you have a number one tip for travellers? I'll focus on points. The the number one tip that I would have for travellers is to, you know, as I mentioned before, is to plan ahead. But that doesn't only apply to your travel. That that also applies to accruing points. You should always be sort of targeting where you want to go next, how many points you need, and, and have a strategy to get there. So I think that the tip really can be summed up as, you know, always be accruing points um, and, and probably the number one well, definitely the number one way to do that in Australia is is through uh, churning credit cards. Um, and that's that's what I do pretty regularly. Fantastic. Well, Peter Fryer, thanks very much for joining me on the AFF On Air podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me, Matt. Well, before I wrap up this episode, I thought I'd briefly mention two new frequent flyer program status matches that might be of interest to you. ITA Airways, part of the SkyTeam Alliance, has brought back the status match promotion that it ran at the end of 2021. This is now running again until the 15th of April, and it's available to frequent flyers with around 24 other airlines. Unfortunately, Qantas and Virgin Australia are not on the list, so if you only have status with Qantas or Virgin, you're not eligible, unfortunately, for the ITA Airways status match. That's with the Valari frequent flyer program. But you could take advantage of this offer if you currently have status with another airline like United, Qatar Airways, American Airlines, Emirates, Turkish Airlines, or TAP Air Portugal. Meanwhile, Royal Air Maroc, which is part of the One World Alliance, Royal Air Maroc joined One World two years ago, is now offering a status match to frequent flyers of selected airlines as well. 
To take advantage of the Royal Air Maroc offer, you'd need to show proof of your existing status with an eligible airline and pay an application fee of 49 euros, which is around 72 Australian dollars. Eligible airlines for the Royal Air Maroc are, um, status match are most Star Alliance airlines, most SkyTeam airlines, and a range of non-affiliated airlines such as Oman Air, Etihad, uh, and Emirates. Interestingly, even uh, I to Airways status, which I spoke about just before, um, is uh, apparently eligible for getting a status match with Royal Amarok. So that could be um, interesting if you read between the lines there. Um, now, Royal Amarok status is interesting because it would get you benefits when flying with all One World Airlines, including Qantas. Uh, this, the match is available to Royal Amarok Sapphire Flyer Silver or Gold status, which is equivalent to One World Ruby or Sapphire. Uh, it's not available, though, to Royal Amarok's t- uh, top tier, which would be equivalent to One World Emerald or like Qantas Platinum status. With this match, you'd get to keep your Royal Amarok status until the end of March 2023, and applications for the status match close at the end of May 2022 or until the offer is pulled by the airline, which could happen, to be honest, at any time. Uh, Unfortunately, Qantas and Virgin Australia status, again, don't uh, qualify for the Royal Amarok status match. Of course, Qantas status doesn't doesn't count because Qantas is also a one-world airline and Royal Amarok isn't going to match another one-world airline. Um, but if you have status with another airline, like, for example, United, Turkish, Aegean, or I spoke before about Etihad and Emirates, um, that could be of interest. And I'll include links to AFF pages with more information about both of these status matches in the episode notes for this podcast. Well, that's all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thank you again to my guest Peter Fryer today from Frequent Flyer Solutions, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF on Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a minute to review AFF on Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips, and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels. Listener.